Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. Again, uh, welcome to the Vine. I'm John Adams, lead pastor, and on behalf of our elders and staff and leadership, just want to say thank you for being here, whether you're in person or online. And just want to remind you that we're in this series uh, from the the book of Jeremiah, and especially chapter 31. And last week we saw what it meant that the new covenant was given or predicted by Jeremiah that it would happen in about 600 years after Jeremiah wrote this book. And you know, the people of Israel had to wait a long, long time, 600 years but the benefits of the new covenant we saw last week that they, had to, they waited for were three things. Just to review for you, it was his finished work. It was secondly, our continual heart change. And then finally, a new identity <clears throat> rooted in community. And so uh, we looked at verses 31 through 33. So let's look at those just to review and get the context of God's word to do. For you this morning as we go to verse 34 and study it. Uh, verse, <clears throat> and I remind you as I do um, each week and our pastors do, this is God's holy word. Verse 31, behold the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wow, the new covenant that's prophesied by Jeremiah is not just good. It's not just great. It's actually the very best thing that we could ever receive. It's the supreme thing. So look, if you, if you know Jesus, you know God personally through Christ Jesus our Lord, you have these amazing, very best benefits in the world. In some ways, I could say you have it all. (laughs) And we should be rejoicing in the gifts that God has given to us through the new covenant. So I want to look with you today uh, at verse 34, and we're going to see two of the very best things that only Jesus can give to us. So look at verse 34 with me. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Wow. You see, the first of the very best things Thank you. The first of the very best things that only Jesus can give us 
is this, is it's knowing God, knowing him. You know, look at verse 34 again with me. It says, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, notice this, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Jeremiah was looking forward to a day when every, every person, all of God's people would have God's word accessible to them. And they would be able to read it for themselves. You remember that in Old Testament times, if you go all the way back to Moses, when he brought the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt, the Lord delivered them. And they came to Mount Sinai. He was given the Ten Commandments and it was placed on two tablets of stone and put into the Ark of the Covenant. And the law of God, which was more than just the Ten Commandments, it was read regularly, but only by priests. And only as God's people gathered together. And individuals did not have Bibles in those days. So when God's people are hearing this back in Jeremiah's day, for example... This was pretty radical news because now God's people, every one of them could know him personally. You see, when Jesus came and fulfills the new covenant, <clears throat> we know that he dies, he rose again from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and what did he do? Did he leave us alone, church? No. He poured out his Holy Spirit into every one of our hearts who trust him and know him. I mean, I know some of you really know this, but may this not just be information, but really changing our hearts. And, and may we be really reflecting how wonderful it is that we get to know God personally and intimately. You see, when the Lord said through Jeremiah, again, verse 34, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying... Know the Lord. Here, Jeremiah is making that point <clears throat> that we don't need a priest to hear God from God. We, we can go directly to him. We have his word. And we have his Holy Spirit to help us to understand his word. You know, think about all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they walked and had conversation personally, intimately with God. There was no blocks. Can you imagine what that was like? There was no sin. This was before sin entered into the world. Man, what a day that must have been. They had that direct, perfect relationship with God. But we today, after Jesus came and established his new covenant that Jeremiah is prophesying about here in Jeremiah 31, we today... Still, though we struggle with sin and we don't see God or know him perfectly, we get to know him like in Eden directly. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, as I've said. In each of our hearts, those Christ followers who know him, and we have his revealed word, the very word of God. We, this is, you know, we take so for granted. How many Bibles do you have at home? Maybe I have 25 of them, right? And we have, uh, you know, phones where we can access it. We have so much 
so many gifts of God's wonderful revealed will, his word, where we get to know him directly. And, and so this is an amazing gift. We get to know God. And in scripture, the apostle Peter, for example, urges us in 2 Peter 3.18, but, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we get to know him directly and we grow in grace and we grow in knowing him. That should, we should be growing. And, and the fact that you showed up here today, guess what? You're growing just by hearing the word of God. Because the word of God, we looked at it in Isaiah, does not return void. Isn't that good news? You may be thinking about other things, but God is working even in the midst of the distractions that we all are facing in our life. Paul the Apostle put it this way. He said in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have a new power to know him. And by God's grace, as I get older and older, man, I just celebrate I just pause often, and even though every day it's not like, you know, goosebumps and thrills, but I get to know God personally and directly. But guess what? It's not just for me. It's for you and every one of you who know God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't have to guess how to know him. It's not like a puzzle to solve. The great English preacher, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, put it this way. He said, if you wish to know God, you must know his word. If you wish to perceive his power, you must see how he works by his word. If you wish to know his purpose before it comes to pass, you can only discover it by his word. And we have his word, right? We get to know him. You see, when the Israelites heard these words, again, it was a drastically different day. And, and so today, you know, we have this great direct access. We have the word, as I've said. We have the Holy Spirit. Man, we've, we have so much. And listen, I know you guys, it wasn't easy getting here, especially on this cold Atlanta morning, right? Isn't it crazy how the weather changes? But I know some of you, especially you that have little ones, it's not easy. We had our granddaughter over last night, and she was crying a little bit through the night. I know it wasn't hard, easy for her parents to get up and be here. I know it wasn't easy for many of you and what you faced to be here and be a part of this fellowship and come and hear God's word, but you're here. Way to go. Thank you, Lord. But here's the benefit. You get to know God personally. He wants to speak to your heart. And you and I grow in knowing God both in hearing his word and regularly reading it for ourselves. You know, it's true. Um, you won't have every moment you open the word of God like this major epiphany. Like, wow. 
But again, every time you open and read the word for yourself, as well as come here on Sunday mornings to worship in community with God's people, he is growing you in knowing him. You're doing what Paul and Peter were urging us, the believers, to do. And then by knowing God's word, you're going to grow in knowing your purpose because our very purpose is at the heart of it is really simply knowing God. I love what another British author, I don't know why I quote all these old British guys, but <laughs> his name is J.I. Packer, great humble uh, um, theologian and author. He writes this, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. What in, what in humans gives God most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. Again, do you ever wonder, I know I have, what's, what's my real purpose in life? I mean, we can pursue many things thinking this is a good purpose. This is what I pursue. It could be kids' sports or success or travel or friendships or family. All these things are good, but they're not the best. The very best thing you can pursue is what, church? God. Knowing God. That's the very best thing. And so I would encourage you, because I've experienced this, and I know many of you have, nothing gives peace, peace and purpose in our hearts like knowing him and seeking to grow in him. You see, verse 34, Jeremiah continues this way. He says, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. God is reminding us here that his love for people is indiscriminate. He says that knowing him and his love is for the least of them to the greatest. It's for all of God's people. It doesn't matter whether you are, you know, you've messed up in your life and you've been, feel like I've been a failure. I've really sinned really badly. Or maybe you feel I've lived a pretty squeaky clean life. Or, or you might have, be an influential person. People might look to you and know you, and when you say something, it matters. Or you might be virtually anonymous. No one really knows anything about you, and you wonder if anyone cares. But you see, it's not about what's in us or what we do, how good we've been or how bad we've been. Here is the good news. He says here that we get to know him from the least to the greatest. It's for all of us. Aren't you glad? God is so great that he can care for every one of you and know every one of you personally and intimately. This is great news. He changes our hearts to enable us to grow in knowing God. This is, this is an amazing, very best gift that God gives us. And the second benefit or gift, 
the very best thing that only comes from Jesus is this, total forgiveness. King David wrote in that God alone provides forgiveness for, the, for our sins. Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Notice this. And forget, what? Not all his benefits. Who forgives, what? All. 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 You're in my iniquity. This is total forgiveness that David was looking forward to that would be completed by Jesus the Messiah. You know, we saw last week that Jesus, the perfect lamb, when he died, his death covered all of our sins and all of God's people, all the Old Testament people that looked forward to him. And now we who look back to Jesus, we, because of his work and grace, our sins are covered. It's crazy. He says, he says, and he says this, and I will remember your sins no more. Their sins no more. See that in the second half of verse 34? We also see that in Isaiah 43, 25, and Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. You see, but how does God Remember your, their sins no more, our sins no more. How does God forget the sins we commit? If, if God can forget sins, then you might ask, is he really all-knowing? You see, the biblical answer is this. God doesn't forget our sins like, you know, you and I. Any of you have a failing memory? You see, we all, none of us have perfect memories, but God does. He remembers everything. See, he doesn't just forget like, oh, I lost that. No, instead, God chooses actively, proactively to not remember our sins. He says in this second half of verse 34, again, look, I will remember their sins no more. We are completely forgiven because of Jesus' finished work. He does not charge us or remember our sin because Christ has paid the penalty for our sins and all who believe in him. His death covers our sins, we know, past, present, and future. This is the very best gift that we could receive. This is, church, this is total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. And only Jesus can establish this new covenant and the benefits that he wonderfully offers to every one of us who believe in him. So I want to ask you this morning, are you remembering your sins that God chooses to forget? Hmm. You see, um, it's easy to think, I continue to struggle with the same sin. Anyone feel that way? I know I have. The guilt and shame of my sin can continually cause me and maybe you to think this way. Am I, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy to be in relationship with this God or receive his forgiveness. 
But here's the point, and it's really true. <laughs> yeah, you aren't worthy in your own works. But Jesus, because of his work for you, makes you worthy. This is so good in scripture, what God does. None of us are worthy in our own spiritual merit or work. That's why we need God and his grace. Have you ever heard us talk about grace here? Here's another grace verse. But God, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God is so full of mercy, and we know he doesn't give you what you and I deserve, which is death and eternal punishment, separation from him. Instead, he chooses to make us alive, and he forgives us despite our continual sin. He, he remembers our sins no more. Can I say it again? He remembers our sins no more. Are you aware of that? Do you know why Jesus really died? He died for you. And, and on the other hand, you know, you can beat yourself on, up because of your sin. On the other hand, you can also be completely unaware of the sinfulness of your own sin. What's, what am I saying? Because if we compare ourselves to others, we can think this way. Compared to that person, you know, you find the real bad sinner, right? Compared to that person, I'm okay. I'm doing pretty good. But you see, if we think this way, we miss out how wonderful it is that God remembers our sins no more. We miss out how great our forgiveness is. And we lack, can lack gratitude to, for God and our worship can become stale. And it's easy to become stingy with forgiving others. <laughs> you remember that same apostle Peter before Jesus rose from the dead <clears throat> and he poured out his Holy Spirit on Peter, he put some tight limits on forgiveness like some of us can with others. Remember, remember Peter, when he was, it was in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, he has this conversation with Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should your followers forgive others? And Peter picked this really big number. He said, how, how about seven times, right? And what did Jesus say? So what did he say? Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. The word seven is the perfect number that means completion. And when he said seventy times seven, he meant an infinite amount of times, 
you should never stop applying forgiveness to others who hurt us, who sin against us. And that's really hard to do, right? Because when you get hurt by someone, even after the hurt, there's usually a bruise or there's a pain in your heart, your emotions that just continues. But that's why Jesus said, look, don't you realize how much your sins hurt me? Do you know that I was bruised? I was not just bruised for your transgressions. I was pierced through, bludgeoned, if you will, because of your sins, and I died for you, that I might remember your sins no more. Do you get that, church, what that means? That means you have total forgiveness. That means Jesus has taken the wound, the bruise, the ultimate penalty and now he asks us to forgive others who have hurt us through his power and his help, through his work. You see, remember, <clears throat> again, Jesus was not only physically pierced for our sins, he takes the spiritual curse for us that we deserved do we realize how total and great is our forgiveness? Do we realize that? As we realize what we have received from him, we will grant to others and be generous to them in forgiving them. Not because it's easy, but because he commands us to do so and we understand how great and total is our forgiveness, right? So today, as you apply this sermon to your hearts, first of all, some of you really need to reflect how forgiven you really are, that you have been granted total forgiveness from God. Secondly, is there someone that you are not forgiving. Again, it doesn't mean setting up proper boundaries. Okay, there's wisdom in how you respond, but God commands us because if you've been forgiven by me, you've received total forgiveness. You also must grant forgiveness in my name to others who have hurt you the most. Man, we need that in our families. We need that in our culture. We need that in our church. We need that desperately in these days. And then finally, if you are here in person or online, and maybe you've heard about Jesus, but today the Holy Spirit is working you in a way that you've never 
experienced and you're realizing, I have never become a Christ follower. I've heard these words. I've been religious, but I have not become a Christian, which means this. You humbly acknowledge your sin and that Jesus alone died for you and did a work that you could not earn on your own. He gives you grace that you couldn't deserve on your own. If you're that person today, I'd encourage you. Receive Jesus right now. Simply repent of your sins and humbly turn in faith to this great saving Lord. And as we close, I want to reflect on, have you reflect on a great passage, another prophet, Micah, as we get ready for communion. Micah chapter 7, he talks about, uses the three major words in Hebrew for sin, for sin. Listen to this. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.